Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. All right, Luke chapter number one. Luke chapter number one. We're going to overview the Gospels tonight, and so this is going to be a fun ride through the Gospels. Now, notice here it says, For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they delivered them unto us, which were uh, which from the beginning eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. It seemed good to me also having a perfect understanding of all things from the very first to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. So here is Dr. Luke, uh, he is writing down to this man, Theophilus. If you uh, turn over to Acts chapter number 1, it says there in Acts 1.1, the former treatise, have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after uh, that he, uh, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandment unto his apostles, whom he had chosen and, uh, and to whom he had showed himself uh, after the resurrection. Many different infallible proofs. So here we have this man that had set out, uh, as God had directed him, had set out to write down in order all the things concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all, trying, uh, all seeking by God's grace uh, and by inspiration to, uh, to give to us the full story, the full picture of the Lord Jesus. Now, as we think about that, Jesus asked in both the book of Luke and as well in Matthew, it's recorded there, uh, he asked his disciples, whom do men say that I am? Do you remember that question? Matthew chapter number 16, he asked that question. Whom do men say that I am? They begin to say, well, you're one of the prophets, uh, a good teacher, so on. And then he goes, but guys, who do you say that I am? And you remember who answered? Peter did, and what did he say? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Why was it so important that he said Christ? He's anointed one. And what Peter was saying, you are the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies, prophesying that one day a Messiah, the promised one, would come and uh, would die in, in our place for our sins. So as you think about, uh, as you think about that, Matthew 1, 1 opens up the book of the generations of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, and then it goes through the genealogy. Uh, and then Mark opens up, and it goes like this, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God, the son of God. And so you have this, the God-man, uh, who is the God-man, who is presented to us through the gospels, and then Luke begins to write down all that he has seen, all that he's understood, all that he's researched about him from the beginning all the way through the end. He continues that in the book of Acts, you know, announcing that as the start of the book of Acts and then the continuing work of the Holy Spirit throughout the book of Acts. Now, 
As we consider this matter of the Gospels tonight, you have in front of you a, 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 uh, an outline or a, um, a chart that you can fill in, and we're going to do a couple of those fill-ins before we get into the meat of the, of the uh, different books. And so what I want us to notice tonight, first of all, just as a matter of introduction, you know, think about the fact we've come through the Old Testament and really we found out how big of a mess humanity is. Are you with me on that? Like, uh, chapter 3 of Genesis, man's sin messed up everything that God had created beautiful. Man marred God's perfect creation. I gave the illustration on Sunday. We were created in the image of God. If you take a picture frame and you have an image inside of it and you have a child running down the hall and knocks it off the wall, the glass on the front breaks, but the picture remains the same. Are you with me? But the image has been marred. You know, if you look at it, you know, you're looking through broken glasses on so, uh, uh, somewhat. And so you're looking through that, but, but the image is still the same. Uh, we're still made in the image of God, but it's been, it's been damaged. It's been broken, but it's been, it is to be recreated in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. So at the beginning, God created everything good. It, uh, man sinned, and the rest of the Old Testament is all getting to the point Looking forward to the point that the, um, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, would one day come. But there's a lot of lessons along the way. Sacrifices and so on. A lot of lessons along the way. So we learn in the Old Testament, things are bad, but help is on the way. In the New Testament, immediately we open up in, in Matthew chapter 1 and verse number 1, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the promised one, the Savior, Jesus Christ, the promised one, the Messiah, Right away, we're opening up there, and we find that help has arrived. Hope is alive in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. So a triumphal opening, and how these four, these four books are laid out for us just to, uh, to, uh, to open up who Jesus Christ is to us is, is, is their point. And so as we think about that, um, the Old Testament, there's a long and clear case in the, it, that humanity is an absolute mess without God doesn't want God, but God wants humanity, and he's continuing to promise a way of escape, a way to come back to God, a way to be reconciled with God. All this is being promised, and we open up in the New Testament, and we find that uh, right within the, the human community, the, the church, within the human heart, when the life of the gospel is allowed to work, it revolutionizes lives. It, it, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ completely changes lives, and it's an amazing thing. It is hope. It is the hope of all Men, it's a hope of your co-workers this week. It's a hope of those who are mourning. It's a hope of everyone. And we find that inside of the New Testament and how God, um, through, the, um, through his gospel, transforms a life uh, is, is really a miracle. Uh, as much of a miracle of birth, so isn't the miracle of the new birth when a life is complete, uh, completely changed by the gospel. Now, how many of you have heard about uh, the word synoptic? Most of you synoptic um how many of you have ever been a witness of a car accident a couple of you uh did you did you stay and help out or did you run don't answer that okay so um so you're a witness of a car accident and uh, you know depending on what side of the street you're on or what perspective you had you had a view of the same incident but you had a different perspective of that that same incident. So when we're talking about synoptic, we're talking about a similar view. We're, we're, we're viewing the same thing, but there's, there's 
different viewpoints to that same thing. So many people ask, why, why are the Gospels, you know, why are there different stories within the Gospels? Well, God, God allowed us, by his grace, to have different viewpoints of the same person and work and miracles to give us a fuller picture from different personalities, like we talked about on Sunday night. Uh, God used their different personalities to write down the record of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, if you'll notice, I don't want to miss saying this, um, Luke, when he says, I've written it down in order, what do you think Luke means? Yes? So Luke, as one of the gospel writers, not all the gospel writers, penmen, are chronological in how they lay things out, but Luke is. It's, it's chronological. So that's something to remember as you read through the book of Luke. If you want to understand things in time, uh, he, does, uh, he does it in time, in chronological order. So as we think about the, the Gospels, the first three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are synoptic Gospels. Say that with me. Synoptic Gospels. Okay, so they are, they, uh, they are viewing the same events from different angles, giving us... Um, God's using their personalities to give us a record of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, um, have you uh, ever seen a harmony of the Gospels? Do you know what I'm talking about? There are, um, give me an author, Brother Wayne. Is there, uh, I'm forgetting, there's one specific one. If you search for a harmony of the Gospels, it will basically it will take and line out the Gospels accounts right next to each other. So you'll get in there and you'll be reading and you'll be like, well, Matthew included this, but Mark said this. Uh, are they conflicting? No, they're, they're looking at the same events from different angles and they're giving us a fuller picture. So it's wonderful when you can mesh them together. Brother Patterson gave me uh, the System Bible Study. It's an old, old, it's like a book from 1950. And it has the synoptic, or the, uh, the, what? I am so sorry. I just lost sight of <laughs> All right, I'm going home. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> okay, well, now that I just lost my audience, that reminds me of being in India when I tried to give an illustration about pursuing, and I decided to use an illustration about hunting. And I'm going on about hunting. You know what that's like? And I'm asking the pastors, you know, you know, you know when you're pursuing after your, 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 uh, your hunt, and they go, Pastor, we don't hunt here in India. It's illegal. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's use another illustration. So um, from, uh, from the not-so-distant past, this, this wonderful uh, system Bible study and it, it actually lays it out, it's not, just a, uh, it's not just a harmony of the Gospels, but it actually puts the Gospels and weaves the story into one story. A really fun way to read the, uh, read the Gospels. But I digress. Anyway, you can look for that, and it really helps to synthesize, synthesize and really get all the stories together, get the view together. Uh, so it's like having the story on three different screens, okay? And so that, that's a harmony of the Gospels, a very helpful thing when studying the Gospels. So the Synoptic Gospels are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Not John, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And here's what's interesting about the Synoptic Gospels. I want to, you can fill this out on your, your chart there. The Synoptic Gospels, the on the first three, they really focus in on the outer facts of the Lord's life, uh, the human aspect of the Lord's life, the public discourse, and also his Galilean ministry. So Galilee is up by the Sea of Galilee, so it's north of Jerusalem. So 
it focuses in on these aspects. And uh, that's, that's primarily what Matthew, Mark, and Luke focus in on, those, those aspects. However, the fourth gospel, or the gospel of John, it kind of stands on its own. It's focusing more on the inner aspects of the Lord's life, the, uh, the, the divine aspect of the Lord's life. And so that's very important for you to understand. Don't miss that when thinking about the book of John. It really focuses in on the divine aspect. And then the private discourses, his discourses in between he and his disciples. Can you give me a discourse or a set of chapters within the book of John that are really just focused in on his disciples. Do you remember any, any particular chapters? All right, 15, 16, and 17. And so he's sharing, uh, the, you know, I'm the vine, you're the branches, and, and chapter 15, abide in me. All that's given right to his disciples is high priestly prayer. So it, it's focusing on those uh, private discourses and then his Gian ministry down, down near Jerusalem and around that area. So that's the focus of those areas. Now, something also that is interesting, the, the bottom line of your chart there, uh, what is the percentage of the synoptic gospels that have the similar content? And so here's a percentage that someone, uh, someone worked up. Matthew has 58% um, that is the, the same as the other, uh, other gospels, a 42% that is differing, that differs. Uh, Mark has has uh, 93% that it, it shares with the rest of the Gospels, has 7% that is, has, is different. Uh, it is Luke that is 59% that is different, 41% that is, uh, is shared, the same content. And then you'll notice that, um, that John has 8%. It does comment there's 8% that is shared with the other Gospels, and then 92% that is uh, content to itself. Uh, to the book of John. So you can see how it's, it's really a standalone uh, gospel. Now, if you will learn to, to work the gospels together, you'll get the best picture. And so if you really have interest in that, I highly recommend to you a harmony of the gospels. Some study Bibles have a harmony of the gospels in the back. Thompson Chain has a, 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 um, a harmony in the back. But uh, it really does, uh, does help, help you with understanding all the different things that Jesus is doing. So let's dive into the books together tonight and overview them a little bit. Uh, Matthew, uh, who, uh, who was the author of uh, Matthew? What's that? Matthew, what was another name for him? Levi, Levi. Now what was his job? What was his occupation? Yeah, IRS, he was a tax collector, right? You hear a lot about the IRS these days and, and all that they're up to. Well, he was a tax collector. You know, if you get a, a piece of mail from the IRS, you just you open that with great joy, right? You know, you're like, what's behind this envelope? Do I burn it? You know, do I, you know I'm, not, I'm not advocating invasion in any way, but I'm, I'm saying there's, there's just this little bit of sense of hesitation. Well, understand that that was Matthew, and now he is a follower of Jesus Christ, and God allowed him under inspiration of Scripture to be the human penman, uh, and to be born along by the Holy Ghost to write down the accounts of, of, uh, of Jesus. Now, he, uh, he was an interesting individual. He hosted feasts. He would have been a well-to-do individual. He hosted feasts with all his, his friends after he met Jesus. And so that's when the Pharisees were like, oh, look, look, 
Jesus eats with sinners and publicans, you know, with, with the tax collectors. He must be an awful individual. Now, the audience of Matthew was specifically to the Jews. Now, this is important for you to grab a hold of because sometimes people will mis, misinterpret, especially some of the content of the book of Matthew, because they don't understand who the audience is. Specifically, Matthew chapter number 24, dealing with the end times that really deals a lot with the end times for Israel. And they will misapply that and get some of their, their, their understanding of how the end times is, gonna, is gonna, going to happen from Matthew 24 because they're taking something that was specifically geared towards the, um, the Jewish people. Does it have application for us today? Absolutely. But uh, if we're going to understand Scripture, we need to understand it in its context. So if something was written to the Afghanis, do we read it and just accept it all for us? It's not that it wasn't, you know, wasn't for us, but we understand who it's written to, who its target audience does, does help us in applying it into our own lives. And so the audience was the Jewish readers, approximately written around 58 AD. So uh, about 20 or so years, 20, 30 years after Jesus went back to heaven. And then it really it was uh, you know, primarily to evangelize, to bring the Jewish people to Christ. Well, why so? Because the theme of, of Matthew is Jesus Christ as the Messiah, as the King. So this one that has been promised all the way throughout the Old Testament, Matthew's goal was to highlight, lift him up, this is he. He's your king. He's Messiah. And so Matthew gives more Old Testament quotes than any of the other Gospels, 50 to be exact, and more indirect allusions to the, the Old Testament. Matthew gives us a glimpse into the first century reader's approach, uh, their, their view uh, towards Christ through the lens of the Old Testament. So he is, he's working that, that angle or that perspective, if you will. Uh, here's who he was promised, and here's what was said about him in the Old Testament. Here's the king. Here's the Messiah. Here's the fulfillment of that. So Matthew defines Jesus as a king and explains his coming, his coming kingdom. So that, that helps you in understanding that. Matthew chapter 2 and verse number 2 is saying, Where is he that is born the king of the Jews? Matthew chapter 21 and verse number 5. Tell ye on the daughters of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh. Thy king cometh unto thee meek, and, uh, and sitting upon a donkey, and a colt of the foal of a donkey. And so he is exalted as the one. In the Old Testament, your king was going to be coming. Here he is. The king has come, and he is here. So it's interesting if Jesus had been received by the Jews, what would have happened? People often wonder, you know, would he have set up the kingdom? So uh, the question is, if he, had, if he had been accepted, if they had, when he came into Jerusalem, if they had accepted him, what would have happened? Or did the cross have to happen? So was there a plan, was the cross plan B? Are you all, all together? No. It wasn't. He's always going to go to the cross. And this is the amazing thing about how, how God's uh, sovereignty and the free will of man all work together. By the way, Acts talks about that. Uh, man's will and, the, and God's determinant counsel, how that all blends together. But he had to go to the cross. He had to. And that was promised. All the sacrifices looked forward to the cross. Passover looked forward to the cross. He was the Passover lamb. So uh, he, there, was no, there was no plan B. Death wasn't, oh, man, they, 
they made the wrong decision, and now he's going to the cross. He was coming to go to the cross. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to give his life a ransom for many, um, Mark 10 and verse 48. So Matthew's goal was to connect Jesus to the promises and prophecies and the pictures of the Old Testament, firmly establishing that this Jesus, the Savior of all the world, is indeed the Messiah that was promised in the Old Testament. So it, it blended that in the mind of the Jewish reader. And so it's still very powerful today for witnessing to the Jewish people. And it's a very needed book. I, um, I, I quote from uh, J. Vernon McGee, although it is, uh, is not alleged that the arrangement of the books of the Bible are, are inspired, in, in other words, the way that they're set out uh, and the way that they're, they're laid out, you know, we, we've recognized that Job is in time is the first book in the Bible or the first uh, book in time that was written in the Bible. Um, but uh, J. Vernon McGee goes on to say, it is an historical fact that spiritual and scholarly men supervise the arrangement of the books of the New Testament canon. Therefore, it is no accident that the Gospel of Matthew is first. Even Renan, the French skeptic, said of this Gospel, it is the most important book in Christendom, the most important book that has ever has been written. This gospel stands like a swinging door between the two testaments. It swings back into the Old Testament and gathers up the prophecies fulfilled at the first, uh, at the first coming of Jesus, and it swings into the New Testament and speaks of the new creation of God. Upon this rock I will build my church. So it's a pivotal book there that God has uh, allowed to be placed there uh, at the opening of the, of the New Testament. So what, what, what happened right before the, the New Testament? What was the period of time there? How many years that we ended? So 400 years. And was God speaking during that time? So there, weren't, uh, there, weren't, there wasn't direct revelation from God during that time, so we call them the 400 years of silence, a dark period. I was thinking about that the other day. Our country is just over uh, 200 uh, years old. You know, that's very small, very small compared to different times in human history. And uh, it's amazing how we've, we've risen so quickly based on Judeo-Christian values and how we are falling so quickly as we've rejected those. Um, but it, it's amazing. But 400 years of silence, and it breaks open with, with the book of Matthew, just exalting the Lord Jesus. So really, um, we ought to think of it like this. Sometimes in our own lives, there's silence. You know, what's God doing in my life? Does God just let me go? No. God's silence is no less God's work than his felt presence. He was still working. He was preparing the world for that wonderful time. If you ever want a, a great study, and I might be digressing a little bit here, but to just, just realize and study all that God was doing uh, and how that the world was per at the perfect uh, climax, the perfect zenith, if you will, for when Jesus Christ came. The road system, uh, the language, all that was right at the perfect spot when Jesus Christ came. God does nothing by accident. And it's really a, an amazing study. Um, my, I remember doing some papers on that in college. W what a wonderful thing that God brought him at the exact right time in the fullness of time. So Jesus is the fulfillment of hundreds of years of Old Testament prophecy. And that is announced throughout the book of, of Matthew. And really, that should set your heart at rest when you think about how big God is. No matter what's going on in your life, how big God is. He can be trusted. You can rest in that type of God. You can, you can take a deep breath tonight and say, you know what? 
I might be going through a really rough time, but God has in control. Even in the silence, even in the dark periods of my life, God is in control. And at the right moment, he'll break through and he will make it, he will make himself real and he will reveal what you need to know. So Jesus is revealed as the Messiah, as the king in, uh, in Matthew. But look at Mark. Mark being the human penman. Mark is an interesting young man that, uh, that had uh, an interesting story throughout the book of, uh, the book of Acts and uh, and how, uh, how God was working in his, his life. But Mark was used by God to pen this. Mark was saved at Jerusalem um, as, uh, a, a, at his mother's home, Acts chapter 12. Mark started uh, on the first missionary journey with Paul and Barnabas. Do you remember that? Starts out, and he goes to Cyprus, and then they make that, that journey up, I believe it's Pamphylia. And, uh, and then he decided, you know what, I'm going back. I'm going back home. And so he goes back, uh, back and uh, he didn't make friends with Paul because of that. Paul thought of him as a quitter, so when Barnabas decided to take him on the next journey, uh, Paul said, no way, uh, no quitters on this, this next, uh, ne- next one. It was later on that we find, I believe, uh, believe it's uh, 2 Timothy, that Paul says, hey, uh, have Mark come? He's profitable to me, you know. Like <laughs> so, he he came around. But um, Mark Mark was a an interesting character, and, and that's just again another story. God God's just because we have one mess up in life, just because we you know quote unquote fail at one point in life, God's not done with us, right? Uh, and what a, what a story that is. Written between sixty seven and sixty eight A.D. It's believed to and. Uh, Mark was closely connected with Peter in Acts chapter 12 and likely was at Gethsemane. There's a story of a young man there at Gethsemane. Um, so Mark um, was writing on behalf of Peter. And so Peter was the main source of the book of Mark, but Mark got to write it down. And uh, so Peter would have contributed a lot to this writing. Now the theme is Jesus Christ as a ser- uh, servant and uh, you see there that it was the, the audience primarily was, was the Romans, the Roman um, believers, the Romans. And it's interesting, uh, the gospel really seems to have a Roman feel uh, to it, which uh, would leave some wondering if it wasn't written from, uh, from Rome, um, and uh, maybe even around uh, Peter's, Peter's death and so on. But it's, it's, its audience was the Romans. Now, as we consider that, why, why this matter of the servant? And that would have spoken especially to the Romans um, as, as a people, and just thinking about how this, this lofty king would have made himself a servant um, for, for all men. Now, the gospel is a gospel of action. Over and over throughout the gospel of Mark, he's constantly running from one, uh, one place to the other. And so 19 times you'll find the word... Well, you give it to me. What? Straight away. And then 39 times you find immediately. And so over and over, it's just kind of like Mark's running from uh, you know, here to there. He's just a young man full of energy, and that's what's going on in his mind. So it's, there's a lot of action inside of the book of Mark. But Mark's account really highlights Jesus as the one who came to serve humanity. And so the key verse is Matthew or Mark chapter 10 and verse number 45, 
when the, when the disciples are squabbling with each other about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, and God, uh, Jesus says, no, 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 you guys have it all wrong. That's how the Gentiles do things, but that's not how it happens in, uh, in, within the kingdom of God. And he says, for even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. And so he just declares, listen, this isn't the way we're supposed to be doing things. I'm even showing you that I came to give up my life uh, for my own creation and to minister and to be a servant. And so he highlights himself in that way. Mark's account is calling us to focus focus servant for the things of of God. Focus service uh, to Jesus Christ and to his, his matters. So as we continue on, uh, Luke, uh, Luke uh, is the human penman for the book of Luke. And what was, his, what was his occupation? Does anyone remember? Physician. And so he was Dr. Luke. My pastor growing up always used to call him Dr. Luke. And uh, so I, I can remember that ringing in my ears. And uh, he was a man that was focused on Humanity, just like doctors today. I can remember uh, the first house that I worked on in the construction job that I worked for was a, uh, for a, a man by the name, a last name of Grossnickel. He was uh, somewhat nationally, if not but internationally renowned for his eye doctor practice there in Warsaw, Indiana. And I remember him coming in seeing me cut one day without goggles on. I was using the, the, the miter saw without goggles on him. Boy, that didn't, you know, that didn't go over well in his house as an eye doctor. And he was very concerned about my eyes. Now, that's what I imagine Luke was. He was just concerned about humanity. And so um, he writes and highlights the fact that Jesus is the son of man. He highlights his humanity. And so you're going to see the things about Jesus being tired, Right? Uh, and Jesus feeling pain and, and feeling the pain of the, of the, coming, um, the coming death and so on. So he, he writes in that way. Now, it does seem that he used and relied on many eyewitnesses. So he writes that down in Luke chapter number one. He, he says in verse number two, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses. So he uses all these eyewitnesses. Perhaps Mary was one of those eyewitnesses and so on. He is using much careful research. Some think that he probably used a couple years of research um, that, that, that he worked on writing down these things and putting it all together. So the theme is the Son of Man, Jesus, the Son of Man, which is one of the favorite ways that Jesus referred to himself as the Son of Man. Now, the audience was the Greeks, the, the, um, the, the, uh, the Greeks and very man-focused, um, just as, as a whole. Now, what, um, what things that we still do today came out of, uh, out of the Greek culture? The Olympic Games. So just, just think, as you think about this audience, very man-focused, body-focused, workout, athlete, and all that. So uh, he is writing to that, to that group. And you see how God is just making sure that every group is getting a perspective of Jesus Christ. Do you see that? That's, that's something that you need to take away from tonight. And so he's highlighting the man, Jesus Christ. Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. And Luke, a Greek physician, a Gentile believer, uh, was one who traveled with Paul, and so he's writing uh, a, from the eyewitness accounts 
he's writing to the, on the, on to the Greek um, people. And he really just shows over and over to us the compassion and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, how he's full of grace and truth. He's tough and, uh, yet tender. Uh, he's identifying Jesus not only as the Lord, uh, Jehovah, but also the loving Lord, the powerful Lord, the absolute Lord, the attractive uh, attractive Lord. So he's highlighting all that. So the big idea, if you will, of Luke is that uh, Jesus is uh, to be believed. He's to be followed. We are to trust and obey him. This uh, who is Jesus, and this is what Jesus wants, uh, wants to do in our lives. He wants to draw us to himself. He wants us to follow after him, wants us to trust and obey him, and so on. So Jesus is a loving Lord. Therefore, I'm compelled to be his follower. And that's what Luke wants to get across. Come and follow this one who is so, uh, so loving. Lastly, the book of John. So this is not the synoptic, right? He stands alone. So what is John all about? Before you throw that up there, what is John trying to highlight to us? So if, if, if Matthew's talking to the Jews about him being the king, Romans about being the servant, and the Greeks about being a, a, the man and the, his, uh, his manhood, what is John trying to highlight to us? Does anyone remember? What's that? Son of God? What's that? Savior? His deity. That's what I'm looking for. It is Son of God, but his deity is, is, is especially. So why is it that when we meet someone and they've freshly come to the Lord Jesus, we say, you ought to go read the book of John? Because it highlights Jesus Christ. Also because it's, it's a very simple uh, of the Gospels and of the books of the Bible. It's a very simple book to jump into. But it's highlighting Jesus Christ. What better way to start out your, your walk with Jesus Christ than to go to a book that highlights him as very God? And so that's what's going on. So as a human author, the, the human penman, uh, John is this writer, and he, he never identifies himself. You know what? Does anyone remember how he, he alludes to himself? What's that? The one who Jesus loved. You both, uh, you both had it. So he, he announces himself as that way. So when you're reading through the, uh, the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's, that's John referring to himself. So he never, he never gave his own name. It's written between 90 and, and 95. Remember John wrote whatever other book of the Bible or um, penned what other book? Okay, the epistles, but also Revelation. And so this is written, uh, believed to be written uh, between 90 and 95 A.D., one of the last to be written. Uh, well, John served uh, at Ephesus. Uh, this was related by Polycarp, the, the pastor of Smyrna, a disciple of John. And so if you ever hear about this man named Polycarp, he was one of those, those early, um, early pastors, but he would have known, known John. John 21, verse 25, And there are also many other things which Jesus did that which, if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. And so he finishes off that way. Ah, oh, you know what? We've written down so much, and I, I guess if we, if, we, if we wrote everything, all the libraries in the world could not contain the things that Jesus did on earth. That's mind-blowing. And I guess we're going to get to, uh, to uh, learn about all that in heaven. So who's the audience? The world. All men. All men need to know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, very God. And by the way, what is the dividing line between uh, Christianity and every other religion in the world? The deity of Jesus Christ. And so this is the book. That's why oftentimes it's paired with John and Romans. 
Uh, and and uh, you know, the, well, for the church plants, they'll pass out John and Romans. These two books are very, very specific to uh, Jesus Christ and the salvation that he offers. And so uh, the theme is uh, Jesus, the Son of God, um, not a God-man, not a God-man, but the God-man. There is no other God-man. Uh, he is it. Uh, John 20 and verse 31. But these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the promised one, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. John opens up, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. In the beginning was the Logos. He is the specific Word of God. He is the specific revelation, not general revelation, which is creation. He is the specific revelation, God's word to all men. And throughout the book of John, we find that there's seven I am statements. Did you know that? Seven I am statements. I am the bread of life, John 6, 35. I am the light of the world, John 8, 12. I am the door, John 10 and verse 7. I am the good shepherd, John 10 and verse 11. I am the resurrection and the life, John eleven twenty five. I am the way, the truth, and the life, John 14 and verse 6, and I am the true vine, John 15 and verse number 1. All these I am's that are there, if you do a search on that in, uh, in your, in your uh, Bible study software, those will, on those will come up. You can also do a search online. I, all the I am statements of Scripture. But John is just recording all the miraculous things that Jesus had done, highlighting his deity. Only God could do this. Do you remember what Nicodemus said in John chapter 3? Hey, we know you're from God. No man could do what you do. No man, except he be from God. And so he's highlighting all that as the power of God. Now, as we close up tonight, I want to just highlight something. Jesus said that when he comes, he wants to give us life and life more abundantly. Now, there's three kinds of life um, that we could divide life down as, okay? We have a physical body, physical life. You're all breathing here tonight, right? Okay, we're all breathing. And so we have, we have life today. That's a gift from God, by the way. Your life is a gift from God today. We have eternal life. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior tonight, you have eternal life. The Bible refers to that eternal life that, that God has given us, that life that he wants to, to bless us with. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Uh, we need that life. You need that life. If you do not know for certain that you're saved and on your way to heaven tonight, that your sins are forgiven, that needs to be your first priority tonight. You need that life. And uh, you want to be able to, to know, like a Joanne, that, that God, uh, he, she actually, in her testimony, I believe it's John 10.10 10, that she quotes at the end of her testimony, uh, that they might have life and they might have more abundantly. And so uh, that life is something that he wants to give us. But, you know, the Bible also talks about our thinking, our our psyche. Um, there's a lot that is talked about about our psyche today and making sure that we're all all right. But, you know, our, our thinking is all about, you know, our identity, our thought processes, the inner you, right? And you know that, that God wants us to have with the physical life that he's given us. He wants us to know for certain that we're on our way to heaven. But he also wants us to have an identity that is firmly rooted in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we think about what God is trying to do in the world, it, you, you are not defined by what you do in your life. You shouldn't be. What your occupation is. Yeah, the world looks at you. Oh, you, you are a construction man. You are a banker. You are, you know. We're not defined. 
as Christians, we're defined by Jesus Christ. We ought to strive to be defined by him and to live that life more abundantly that he, he wanted to, uh, us to, to live. He says in Matthew 16 and verse number 24, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will uh, lose his life for my sake shall save it. Uh, whosoever is going to give up his identity, the inner, inner you, whosoever is going give, to uh, give that up uh, is going to save it. Who's going to save it is going to lose it. And there's, there's a real sense where people will wrap their whole identity around the things of this life. They'll wrap their identity around things, people, uh, status symbols, all these things. But Jesus says, no, I want you to wrap your identity around me, who I am and as I am presented in, in the scriptures. And he invites every one of us, if we're going to be a part of this whole thing of building, seeing his church built, and being a part of his, his goal, his purposes in the world right now, we have to take up our cross, we have to deny ourselves, and follow after him. And those that do that will find their life. You will find the greatest purpose in wrapping your life around the Jesus of the Gospels. And there is no other purpose to be living. Uh, for me to live is, do you remember? Christ, and to die is gain. And when we, when we wrap our life around that, we find true meaning and true value. And the, the sad thing is Satan is constantly bombarding even believers, do something else. Uh, you know, focus on this. Focus on, uh, on your career. Focus on, and it's not that we don't do those things in their place, but that's not our identity. Our identity is the Lord Jesus Christ. Our whole inner, the, everything inside of you ought to just be completely focused on Jesus Christ. All your priorities around Jesus Christ all your life ought to be oriented around the things of Jesus Christ and his body on earth. Everything ought to be focused on his purposes. And so as we, uh, as we think about the Gospels, he is presented to us, fall in love with him, uh, love the stories of Jesus, thrive on them, allow them to nourish your heart and be consumed with being all about him. And you will, you will discover that is a life worth living. And so let's ask him to help us with that. Father, thank you tonight for the Gospels. Thank you for taking four human penmen and causing these to be written down, moving them along by the Holy Ghost so that we would have this record. And we thank you for it. Uh, thank you for promising us life and life more abundantly as we uh, seek you and receive you by faith and then walk with you, abide in you. Uh, Lord, help us. Uh, help us not to be cumbered about uh, with things of this life, uh, but to keep our attention on you. In Jesus' name, would you just bow there for a moment in your, in your seat and just say, uh, say to the Lord, Lord, you know, I, uh, I want to just once again uh, admit my need to deny myself, take up my cross, and follow you. I, I want my life to be wrapped up in you. I want my identity to be you. I might be a construction worker but I'm first and foremost a child of the King. I'm a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to put these things in practice tonight. Uh, guide the, uh, each one as they go home, give safety. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, draw us back together uh, on Sunday. And may we bring praise to you in this place. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode, and please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family 
to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for checking out this episode. I look forward to having you join us again right here on the Grace Baptist Church podcast.